On today's show, the Hawks fall in Philadelphia without Trey Young. We'll talk about all of what transpired and more on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1605 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Friday evening. And today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockdownMBA. Use promo code LockdownMBA when you get there for a first deposit match up to $100. Check it out right now with Prize Picks. And also, at the top of the podcast, I should tell you and remind you to make us your first listen each and every day here at Lockdown Hawks. And please subscribe to the podcast anywhere. You get your podcast places like Apple and Spotify, as well as YouTube on the video side. And today we'll focus on what became a narrow, but also not that narrow at the very end of the contest loss for the Hawks on the road in Philadelphia, 125 to 114. This is the Hawks' fifth loss in the last six games. They fall to 9-12 and 12 on the season. And really, the for me anyway, the lead storyline of this contest was the Hawks playing without Trey Young for the second time this year. He did not travel to Philadelphia due to illness. Um, and that led to the Hawks being their largest betting underdog of the season in this game. They closed as like a nine-point underdog, according to our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. And the Hawks, um, unfortunately, if you had Atlanta, didn't even cover at the end of this game, despite being close and actually leading for a lot of the second half of this contest. They were down by as many as 14 in the first half. Showed a lot of resilience, I thought, getting back into the game. Big run late in the first half to take a six-point halftime lead. And then it was kind of a tight game for the vast majority of the second half. And then, essentially, the Hawks had one very, very ill-timed drought offensively where they had basically they didn't score for about four and a half minutes they had nine straight possessions without a single point in crunch time and it was a 15-0 run by philadelphia to kind of end the game so obviously all 48 minutes count in the nba we'll have more on what, what happened at the end of the game in a second but big picture i would just say this the hawks played pretty darn well for about 43 minutes given the circumstances now it's the nba and there are no moral victories i will say that for sure right now but if you listen to this podcast, especially if you're a recurring listener, you will know that I like to provide all the big picture and the nuance, the context that's important when evaluating 82 games of NBA basketball. And for example, Quinn Snyder was much more upbeat about this game after it than he has been after some of the losses recently, which I think is reasonable. He's going to be pretty pleased, actually, by the effort and sort of the acknowledgement that, look, the Hawks are playing without Trey Young and Jalen Johnson in this game on the road against a very, very good Philadelphia team, like a top five team in the league so far this year. The Hawks are not supposed to win this game. And obviously, if you're a Hawks fan, especially in the moment, you're not like satisfied with that. And I totally understand. No one's saying that's a great situation to be in, uh, both because the team has been losing recently and also because of this contest in itself. But taking a step back or even a half step back, the Hawks were nine-point underdogs for a reason. You know, They're playing without Trey Young. And even when the game was lost at the very, very end of this contest, it came down to not being able to score on offense at crunch time. And that is essentially what Trey Young is there for. Trey Young is kind of an offense into himself. The Hawks are a top five offense and have been for basically three or four years overall now, in large part because of Trey Young. And he's not there. And that gives you uh, sort of an, an, an explanation as to why the Hawks could not score. And look, it was not fun. The Hawks could have played better. There were poor plays from key players down the stretch, offensively, defensively, et cetera. But at the end of the day, like the Hawks just did not have their guy and they did not play one left on the stretch, but look for 43 minutes again. They were very, they were very much in this game, and um, I think if you had given every Hawks fan, at least any reasonable Hawks fan, 
this scenario where the Hawks are in a basically a tie game or up by up by two, down by two, something like that with five minutes to go in this situation, you have to take it. And then the rest of the game just didn't go their way. So uh, that's the big picture in this one. We'll start on offense as we dig in a little bit deeper to what actually happened here. And the Hawks actually, actually ended up scoring a decent clip, had about a 115 offensive rating in this game. It was better than that, actually, until a late drought. Um, obviously, the one that we talked about a second ago. That's about league average in terms of overall offensive efficiency. That's not great for this team, but without Trey, that's a very reasonable level of overall production for this offense. Um, you know, if you told me that we're only going to do that this on, on in tonight's game, I would probably guess they would have lose. They, they would have lost, but they were actually better than that until again the aforementioned drought at the end of the game. But the shooting was the problem in this game. They shot thirty nine percent from the floor and thirteen of thirty nine from three in this game. That was not going to be good enough, no matter what happened elsewhere. Um, only 20 assists in the game. Um, the Hawks actually, according to Clayton, the glass had 13th percentile effective field goal percentage in this game, which basically means all of your shooting outside of the free throw line. 30th percentile is really bad, and you're going to lose the game more often than not. Atlanta did a very good job on the offensive glass in this one, actually. Ended up with 24 second chance points. That's a ton. That's a league leading and, and beyond Mark there to kind of keep them in the game. The Hawks ended up doing a very good job in the, in the possession battle overall. They took 17 more shots than Philadelphia. They did, they did take 16, more, 16 fewer, free, fewer free throws, but still had the overall edge in shooting possessions in this game, which made it a little bit closer than it would have been if it was just on a per possession, you know, taking all that stuff out. The Hawks just did not shoot the ball anywhere near where they would have had to to actually win this game. They had 14 turnovers in the game. That's about a league average number, but they actually only had six. Three through three quarters, and then they had eight in the fourth, and that they could not withstand that. Let's just say, um, all five stars had 15 points or more. Only DeAndre Hunter, I thought, was kind of better than usual offensively. Uh, Bogey was great in the first half, ended up cooling off quite a bit. Other guys we'll talk about later, but Dejounte was just kind of meh in this game. Uh, Bay, I thought, played you know fairly well on the whole, but was also six of 20 from the floor. So there were some uh, not great shooting across the board. And the bench, while they, while they gave him the shot in the arm, energy wise. Offensively, there wasn't much to speak of with that bench unit in this game. So all that said, you know, offensively, it was okay. It was respectable without Trey, but it wasn't the same product that the Hawks usually put on the floor when they have their best player. And again, don't forget, Jalen Johnson's also out. And Jalen Johnson is up there near the top of the list of more dynamic guys that they have on this team. Also, defensively, they were solid at times. They com they competed in this game, but the numbers are kind of what you expect. They give, about a, they give up 125 on about 100 possessions, which is not going to get it done especially on a night without Trey and without your offensive engine. Philly, by the way, came into the night number two in the league in offense. And so obviously they're very good. No shame in getting beaten up by them on that, on that end of the floor. Philadelphia's offense is fantastic. They were, for instance, they were number one in the league when you, when you combine free throw shooting accuracy and free throw creation. And that came to fruition in this game. The Sixers cut to the line 37 times and they shot 81% at the line. That's a huge advantage. Now, obviously, I know Hawks fans didn't love some of the whistles. I get that. And that is definitely fair. There were a few ticky-tack calls in the game, but Philadelphia consistently gets to the line. In particular, Embiid and Maxi, they combine for 27 free throw attempts. That happens on a nightly basis. Not maybe that maybe not that many, but that happens a lot for those two guys. And that happened in this game, and they made them all as well. And that's kind of a huge um, sort of swing in their favor. And again, I said it before, but the Sixers just outshot the Hawks the entire game. They didn't light it up. They didn't shoot crazy. 48% um, from the floor, 37% from three. Like that's a very normal percentage for Philadelphia. But when you combine it with what I said before about the Hawks having 13th percentile shooting from the floor and from three, that's going to get you beat. Um, Hawks also only forced 11 turnovers. Like they were competitive, but look, I mean, Maxi and Embiid had 68 points. 
they had their two best players available in this game, and the Hawks did not have their best player. And wherever you stack in Jalen Johnson right now, whether he's you know in the top three or four for sure, it seems like at this point in time, um, the Hawks were without those two guys, and Philadelphia's top two players were their top two players. They played great in this game, and that was a big part of why the scoreboard ended up where it was. So we'll get it. We'll get into kind of whole, how this game sort of unfolded in the middle. But I do want to stress, like I, I'll say this right now. The last few games before this, I totally understand the frustration. The Hawks are one in five now without Jalen Johnson. That is notable to me. Now, you could certainly go back and say the Hawks have four of those five losses are road games against Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia without Trey, and Cleveland. So, like, you know, your underdogs in, four, in, in all four of those games. That's a good context, but you're still one in five without Jalen, and nobody's going to love that. But at the same time, this this is the epitome of a game that should not – at least on paper, enrage Hawks fans. Now, I'm sure that's not going to sort of uh, identify with everyone. I get, I get all that. Like, and in the moment, especially in the fourth quarter, watching that drought at the end, it was maddening, and there were bad moments for sure. But if I tell you, like, this is probably a top five situation in terms of like what is the most difficult you could possibly have in, in the NBA, is a road game in Philadelphia. Then you throw in no Trey, and yeah, it wasn't a back to back or anything, but Philadelphia was was on normal rest as well. Like there was no rest advantage disadvantage. So no Trey, no Jalen in Philadelphia. Again, the largest point spread of the season. I don't, I don't care if you believe in point spreads. That's not really the point. Um, it does tell you that the market and people that are smarter than I am and smarter than everybody see, most of the time believe that this is the toughest game on paper that the Hawks have played this season when you factor in that Trey was not playing. And yeah, they lost by 11 points, but they were right there the entire way. So uh, of all the nights to have be uh, kind of be a con- sort of have that consternation about a loss, this probably wasn't the one, in my opinion. We'll kind of leave it there for now. All right, we'll have more on this game coming up as well as sort of the player-by-player evaluations at the end of the podcast. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's show is brought to you by PrizePix, and PrizePix is the largest defense platform in North America and also the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. You pick two six players of PrizePix, actually choose whether they have more or less than a certain number of points or different categories, assists, steals in the NBA, yards in football, etc., and with it's 25 times the money on your entries, you can pick combo projections across sports, including two or more players from different sports or different leagues. And they have a huge selection of sports and stat types not anywhere else at Prize Picks. And you can have projections on the NFL, NBA, NHL, PGA, and many more. They have a reboot policy as well at Prize Picks, and they are the only DFS platform with an injury insurance policy. I've really enjoyed checking out Prize Picks all year long in the NBA space. I'm also always sitting through stuff on the NFL, college football, college basketball, etc. And on the whole, the experience of Prize Picks is fantastic. I'll be there all the time, and it's easy, it's fun. I recommend it at the highest level. At PrizePicks.com/slash LottonMBA is the place to go. Use promo code LottonMBA for a first-time deposit match up to one hundred dollars. One more time, that is PrizePicks.com/slash LottonMBA. Use promo code LottonMBA when you get there. Check out daily fantasy sports right now, and it's made easy with Prize Picks. All right, we'll dive into the game now, and uh, it was bogey game to start in place of Trey. This is the second game of the, that the Hawks have went without Trey this year. The Hawks, of course, won the first one in Detroit. That's a different situation. The Pistons are the worst team in the league, so that's a, a important context there. Uh, but bogey up to start there. Same thing as, as what happened when Trey missed the game in Detroit. Um, they started out with Murray on Maxi and Embiid. Uh, Embiid, of course, on Capella, but uh, Hunter on Tobias Harris. They were loading to Embiid the entire game. You know, it was not just like a one-on-one with Capella. It was the Hawks kind of doubling him, and Embiid is fantastic. He's the rating MVP, and uh, he beat those coverages throughout the night. Um, I was maddened by this. The Hawks only took – actually, the Hawks did not take a three for the first seven-plus minutes to begin the game. Now, that's obviously – it's one sample size, all that stuff. There was a three-shot foul in there on Wes Matthews, but so that's something. But 
it just can't happen, especially on a night without Trey Young. You're the clear underdog. You cannot fail to take a three for seven plus minutes. And as soon as they started taking the threes, as soon as they decided kind of to stop refusing to take threes, honestly, they got a lot better. That was their worst offensive stretch until the very end of the game was the first seven minutes. So the first seven minutes and the last five minutes were the worst stretches. That's kind of unfortunate in a lot of ways. But the first one was basically because they just, they just didn't have the spacing. DeJounte was playing too slowly. It was just they were just kind of in, in the mud and no spacing, et cetera. And once they kind of figured that out, they, the light came on in a lot of ways. Rotationally, the Hawks, of course, started bogey. They used 10 guys in both halves of this game. Uh, it was Trent, Trent Forrest and Patty Mills together at the end. But before that, it was Wes Matthews off the bench for Bay. Then it was Garrison Matthews for bogey, a Congo for Capella. And then it was Trent and Patty together when Murray came off the floor. Now, this is the first time all year that Patty Mills has played in the actual rotation. And I don't mind the idea of him playing with Trent because you kind of want more ball handling out there with Trent Forrest. That kind of worked on some level. Um, I don't love the fact that they were playing Patty with bogey because, you know, the whole theory of the case there on, on, on why you're playing Patty with Trent is to have more ball handling. And if you have bogey on the floor, you kind of don't need Trent to do that. Like, for instance, you might, I would probably would have tried AJ Griffin at, at this point in time, but it kind of worked on some level. And I do think, again, it might be the best way to use Patty Mills is to, alongside Trent Forrest, who is their best. By the way, Trent, Trent Forrest is definitively, in my opinion, their best guard defender. So having Patty, who's maybe their worst guard defender out there with Trent, does kind of make some sense. But anyway, that was notable to me. Um, I thought it was interesting that there was a play in the first quarter where Kongwu was lined up for an open three on the wing. And rather than closing out and be like actively ran the other way, like their teams are not respecting a Kongwu's three point shot at this point. And by the way, that's pretty reasonable. I think he's like, you know, in the 20s or maybe even lower than that for three point range this year. He's not making threes. And uh, obviously, this guy report is kind of out there to kind of let those go at this point in time. The Hawks did not play well in the first quarter. Now, they played well in the middle of the game. They were down 12, and it felt like it was going to get ugly, honestly. They could not score in the first quarter. Um, they took some threes late, but they only shot 721 from the floor defensively. Embiid had 17 points, et cetera. But the Hawks were really good in the middle of the game, especially the second quarter. So it was actually a 45-point second quarter from Atlanta. Stunningly, I have to say. Um Part of that was Embiid off the floor. The Hawks did a good job with the bench unit during that stretch. Gave him some good energy that Snyder talked about after the game. I think he was right about that. Um, Bogey then got hot. He actually hit three threes in about two minutes to cut the deficit down to one. Uh, this is a crazy stat. Bogey currently has the longest active streak in the entire NBA of games with at least two threes in every game. 16 straight games with at least two threes for Bogey. Um, and the Hawks finished on a 20-5 to run at the end of the first half in about four and a half minutes. They, they were done by as many as 14 before halftime. And led by six at the break because of that huge run. Bogey was excellent. Hunter was very good in that second quarter. Capella had a nice tip in along the way. Murray hit a three basically at the buzzer. And the Hawks had a, a, a quarter where they actually made seven threes. They had nine assists. And they had no turnovers. By the way, the Hawks only made 13 threes in the game. So they made more than half of their threes in the second quarter. And uh, Hunter and Bogey both had 13 points. Defensively, they were very frisky against the uh, against the Sixers in that spot, and then uh, also did a great job in possession battle. Again, as I talked about before, they did a good job on the glass the entire night, and until the fourth quarter, took care of the ball at a high level. Um, the second half, as we'll kind of go a little bit quick here, quickly here on the second half, um, an early run by the Sixers. I tend to push to kind of get back in the game right away. The Hawks only had one bucket in like the first four minutes, and it was a Capella layup. Um, he got some foul trouble. In fact, Capella and Congo were both in foul trouble for the majority of the second half. Um, Defensively, though, they were kind of unorganized, I thought. Sixers started to play faster, which was smart on their on, on, on their behalf, I will say. 
Uh, I thought Hunter was pretty good in the third. Actually had 21 points in about a quarter and a half span in the middle of the game. Um, and the Hawks were kind of only down by one at the end of the third quarter. They didn't play very well, though. Bogey had cooled off and definitely cooled off the entire game, honestly, the rest of the second – sorry, the rest of the second half, I should say. And the Hawks just didn't shoot very well. They took care of the ball, which still, but they just couldn't get to the line. They couldn't make shots, and that sort of plagued them going into the fourth. In the fourth, uh, kind of a big swing in the game, I thought, was a challenge by Philadelphia that, that they ended up winning. Um, I was surprised they overturned it. It was a charge on Maxi that was overturned and became a three-point play, so a literal three-point possession swing. Um I thought it probably was a charge, honestly, but it usually feels like a standard to overturn is higher than it was in this spot. So not a terrible call, but I was surprised they overturned it for sure. Um, a Conway's fifth foul. There was lots of foul trouble. They actually kind of tried to pair Capella to Embiid at that point because there were so many foul issues on both sides. I thought the Sixers tried to actually help the Hawks out a little bit by playing Mo Bamba for some reason in the fourth quarter. He was pretty bad, I thought. Um and actually, the Hawks rode Trent Forrest for a little while with DeJounte back in the game, and they were rewarded by that. Actually, Trent drew a charge, and then they got a technical foul on Pat, on Pat Beverly, and the Hawks were tied. It was They were right in the game, in fact. And B was kind of hobbling around. There was a great step-through finish by Sadiq Bey for three-point play. The Hawks had good vibes. And then the Hawks were up by three points with about five minutes to go after a pair of free throws by Clint Capella, who made both at, on that trip. And from there, it was... Brutal. Um, this is a long list of things. So Bogdanovich had a very bad take foul that led to a free point. Don't know why he did that. I, think, I don't know if he just forgot the rule or whatever. It was a bad, bad, bad decision after he was kind of frustrated by a previous snow call. DeJounte had a bad foul as well in, in transition that didn't make a lot of sense. Um, but the big issue, I mean, uh, uh, those were notable issues. They just couldn't score. And I said it before, but I'll give you more detail now. They had nine consecutive empty trips. Wrapped around a timeout. So it was before and after a timeout. Bad shots, horrible turnovers, all of it. Um, they didn't score for almost four and a half minutes of real clock time. And it was Capella's free throws that actually started it. And then it was Capella's put back that actually ended it. But man, they just could not score. It was a 15 0 run. I could go play by play, and I'm not going to do that to you because I don't want to relive it on this podcast. But um, there were some unfortunate moments that were kind of just unlucky, like a couple like tip in situations or open shots that missed. But out of the nine trips, I would say at least six of them were bad possessions, like bad possessions. And again, that's an area where Trey would have helped. No matter what you think about Trey, and I think some people are way too low on Trey at this point in time, um, I think that at a bare minimum, he would have organized them and he would have had the ball in his hands and made better decisions and gotten them into stuff. DeJounte was not great in this game offensively, I didn't think. I know he had 20 points, but he was not the same as Trey is as far as like creating for others. Uh, Bogey had gone cold by then. Hunter you know, was actually had a good game in this game, but he kind of was forcing it a little bit at different times. And uh, yeah, without going blow by blow, that was just, that's where they lost the game. Like now they weren't going to necessarily win it anyway. Uh, being up three there on the road in Philly, like I think the Hawks were still betting underdogs at that point in time in, in the live market, but you know, they were, uh, they were right there. And then after four and a half minutes, they weren't right there anymore. That basically ended the game. And uh, in the fourth quarter, the Hawks ended up with, uh, I believe they had 22 points in the fourth, but they had 19 points on five of 19 shooting in the first 11 minutes of the fourth quarter before a meaningless three in the final minute. So it was really rough stuff. And, uh, you know, I could chronicle it all day long. I could talk about the fact that they should be better without Trey, that they probably are at times. But, um, yeah, the offense just wasn't good enough. And it, it happened at a bad time. Last game had been 44 minutes. They had been right there. Um, but, um Credit to Philly, too. They played well at the end, but their best players took over, and that was the end of that. So we'll have more on the player-by-player stuff in a second. 
before we get to that, a word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the craziest realities of life, but if you don't mind, I will talk to you just for a minute about preparing for real life. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. It's scary stuff for a lot of different people. It would be a helpless feeling if someone from my family or close friend group got sick while I supply chain issue helped kept them from actually getting the life-saving medications that they actually needed. Thankfully, though, there is Jace Medical. They offer the Jace case, which is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses. They have respiratory infections and UTIs and sinusitis, skin infections, and many others. This stuff can happen to any of us and you want to be prepared for it. Visit jacemedical.com and provide your uh, physician encounter and complete that right now. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of a regular cost. It's always important to be sort of be prepared, and that's definitely the case right now today, and you can do that by going to jacemedical.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order with Jace Medical. One more time, that is Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. Use the promo, use the promo code LOCKEDON when you get there, jacemedical.com. All right, so the player stuff at the end of the podcast, and uh, obviously not the greatest performance, but obviously a valiant effort as well, I thought. Uh, to the bench. It was quiet. Garrison Maxwell played three minutes. They kind of excised him a little bit in the second half of this one. I'm not going to do this every single show, but yes, people asking about A.J. Griffin. I, I would like to see A.J. playing. I keep saying that. I don't know why he isn't. Um, I, I'm, I have an educated guess as to why the Hawks are worried about him playing because the defense and all that stuff, but I think that I would have tried him in this game personally, and I'll leave it there. Garrison, three minutes, didn't do much of anything, took one shot, minus eight, um, wasn't great. Uh, Trent Fourth, I thought, gave him good minutes. 13 minutes for Trent, six points, two five from the floor, one assist, had a turnover, but I thought was good defensively and was rock solid, and it's very, very helpful to have a guy like Trent Forrest. Um, he's not going to blow anybody away on offense, but he's a good defender, he makes good decisions, and I thought he gave them what he could give them off the bench. Uh, Patty Mills, first real time of the year, 17 minutes for Patty, hit a three, had two assists, had a steal, uh, drew a charge at one point in time, was plus one in his minutes. Um, he's obviously was fresh compared to everybody else. He has not been playing minutes. Um, I don't know if he's going to play more often in the future, um, but uh, I thought he was okay when he played. He played with good energy. Offensively, was kind of hit and miss, but I thought he gave them enough, and uh, the pairing with Trent did at least work to kind of bandage when DeJounte was off the floor. Wes Matthews actually kind of, was kind of wearing a giant knee brace at one point in time. I'm not sure what happened there, but um, three points and 10 minutes, missed all three of his shots, got to the line, though, and made all, made all three. It wasn't his best game, I didn't think. Uh, he was always competitive defensively, and he's, he's a good organizer, but offensively, he definitely leaves something to be desired most of the time. Akongwu was not his best either. Seven points, eight rebounds. Um, actually, was I believe it was yeah three of five on twos, 0 of two on threes. They have two blocks. They have five fouls in 18 minutes. Yeah, just kind of a middling effort. And I think this season, it's just fair to say that through basically a quarter of the season from, from Akongwu, he's not been that good. He's been fine, but he's not like taking a massive leap either and uh, kind of forcing himself to play more and more. Uh, to the starters, a lot of minutes here, as you might expect, without Jalen, without Jalen. Four guys played at least 36 minutes in this game. DeJounte, 36 minutes, 20 points, nine assists, four turnovers. I thought he was okay at times, but also gave them uh, kind of a lacking thing. I, I think the, the gap between him and Trey as a creator for others is just like massive, which is not a huge surprise, but it's just notable. He plays a little bit slower, not quite as uh, kind of in the flow of things. And then defensively, I've said it for a long time, he's not been what the Hawks were expecting him to be defensively. That's kind of the short version that I will put it at right now. But I thought he was like, you know, 29, you'll probably take that in a vacuum, but I don't think he was as good as, as those numbers probably indicate in this spot. Um, Bogdanovich had a great first half and a not great second half. He had 17 points in the half, ended up with 20 in the game. He was four of six on twos, but only three of 11 from three. 
two assists, nine rebounds. I thought Bogey gave them a lot in the first half, but definitely ran out of gas a little bit. That was not great after halftime. Still a reminder, though, when he has it going, he's difficult to stop. He's, uh, he's a lot of fun. Uh, Sadiq Bay, weird game for Sadiq. 16 points. He actually was a game best plus two for the Hawks in this game, but he was three of 11 on twos and three of nine on three. So six of 20. They took 20 shots. I've actually talked about this before. I think Sadiq's probably had too low usage this year, but this is probably a little bit going the other way. He was uh, shot happy in this game. I thought he played pretty well, honestly. And I've been critical of Sadiq's defense this year. It wasn't great, but I thought he gave good effort defensively in this game. He rebounded well. He was at least aggressive offensively in a way that I think he probably should be more often. So I thought he was one of their better guys in terms of like what his normal baseline is as to what he actually performed in this game. Uh, Capella, 15 points, 16 rebounds for Clint in 30 minutes. Missed a couple of monies around the rim as he is wont to do, but was very active on the glass. I thought defensively he at least like got in Embiid, but they, they, he couldn't stop him. Nobody can, but I thought that obviously he wasn't great there. But rebounding was important. I thought Clint was fine. He wasn't great. 15, he had 15, 16, 15 and 16 is you know, probably not indicative of how good he was or how bad he was, et cetera. I thought he was fine in this game. And then Hunter, 24 points to lead the Hawks on five of 11 from two, but four of seven from three. Seven rebounds, one assist, three turnovers is not great. His ball handling, a couple of uh, notable ball handling gas from Hunter in this game is he, he's really one of the worst ball handlers in the league at that position. It's kind of it's, it's kind of staggering, actually. But he made some jumpers in this game. He was aggressive getting to the rim a few times. I thought he played pretty well, honestly. He took uh, – not that he was, like, forced to take Tobias Harris out, but I thought he did a pretty good job on Tobias Harris throughout the game and uh, played reasonably well. So, all that said, we'll get out of here now. But it was a loss that was expected on some level. The Hawks almost pulled an upset that would have been certainly energizing for a lot of people, including the team and the fan base, et cetera. And now they have two more days off. This is their longest like stretch of like off time all year, basically. The, the Hawks just don't play a lot of game basketball. In fact, if you go back to December 2nd against Milwaukee, they basically have two, two games in like an eight-day period. Pretty nice if you want to kind of – shift stuff around, but obviously it would have been better to have Trey and we'll see. I assume he'll be better and ready to go by Monday, but we'll see on that front. Um, by the way, that's the Hawks next game is a home game against Denver. So the, uh, the slate does not get easier. Let's just say for the Hawks. Uh, Cause Denver is Denver. They are the reigning champions. They're not playing as well this year so far as they did last year in different ways. They've had some injury issues, Jamal Murray, et cetera, but still a tough matchup in a lot of ways for any, any team to play Denver. And uh, this has been a gauntlet of scheduling for Atlanta the only, only, only bad team they've played in the last two and a half, three weeks is San Antonio in a game they won. But man, in a let's see, a seven game a seven game stretch, they have to play Boston, Cleveland, Milwaukee, and Philly on the road. And then Brooklyn is not like great, but that was a tough game at home. And then Denver at home. So no favors here in the middle of the stretch without Jalen Johnson. And we'll see how they respond on Monday. But I'll leave it there for now. I will give you a plug at the top of the I see right at the bottom of the podcast. Now uh, you will have some audio only bonus content at times on the podcast feeds. If you're a subscriber to Apple or Spotify from Locked On Sports Atlanta and Locked On Podcast Network. So keep an eye on that. Um, nothing less from me, by the way. I keep saying that, but I'll just say it one more time. Just Those are just extra shows. Nothing less from me in terms of output. I'm still covering the team as deeply as I ever have. So stay tuned for all that. Please subscribe to the podcast. Check us out on Twitter slash X at Locked On Hawks. Follow me there as well at BT Roland. Also, patreon.com slash BT rolling for the written work across the board. I've been covering the in-season tournament this weekend, but I'll be back home in no time and we'll be in the building for the game on Monday. So enjoy your weekend. We'll have more to come. and We'll see you all next time.